Coming up, I'll show you how to create a true success formula. It's doable, but you've probably never been taught it this way. And then why a four-day work week is on the table for the Auto Worker Union. Let's go. It's going to be good. Helping you win in your work life so that you can win in the rest of your life. I want you to be a whole person, someone who's doing work that they know they were created to do. And watch your relationship life, your physical life, mental health life, watch it all get better. So let's get to this. Let's talk about success. Boy, there's been a million definitions, a million books, a lot of snake oil salesmen out there on the internets and the socials. And I really want to deconstruct deconstruct today for you what I believe is a empty definition of success. The way we classify success as a culture is incomplete. And it's confusing because the way we define it, well, it looks... It sounds, it smells, it tastes like success. It's got a lot of good stuff attached to it. But it's kind of like cotton candy. Now, I'm not a cotton candy fan. But my wife and my daughter, they love cotton candy. I And let me tell you about cotton candy. This is what cotton candy is. You grab a chunk of that. And you stick it in your mouth, and what happens? Oh, it tastes good. Oh, it tastes delicious. But it dissolves, and it doesn't fill you up. In fact, it'll make you sick if you have too much of it. And this is what success, as defined by our culture, has done. So let me lay out the formula. This is what culture says success is. Wealth. Fame. Power equals success. Now, the truly successful, boy, we get all hot and bothered when you got wealth plus fame plus power, right? And usually they all come together. You have some infamous people in the form of criminals who have no wealth, but they got a lot of fame. But the formula really is wealth plus fame plus power. Now, you, you've made it. And society will give you a pat on the back. For two out of three. I mean, I'd be famous. A lot of wealthy, powerful people that aren't that famous. Aren't famous at all. And so we, again, will stand back and say, wow, you are something. But I'm going to challenge that formula. Because it has all the trappings that we certainly look at. And we say, you are successful. You have done something impressive. And by the way, in most cases, you have except for these reality stars. They've done nothing impressive at all. They've just entertained us, usually by bad behavior. So if you really want to be successful, I want to challenge you to look differently. See, the American masses follow this formula and it feels good because, again, I'm moving up the ladder. I've got some power Okay, even if it's my version of power, doesn't mean I have to be a politician. But it feels really good to move up and gain some power, gain some authority. It feels really good to get a bigger paycheck. It feels really good 
to move from 300 followers on social media to 3,000. Feels good to get 100 likes instead of your normal three, right? Feels good. Until it wears off. It's like the cotton candy sugar high. You stick it in your mouth. Ooh, tastes really good. And then it wears off. I tell you my favorite all-time wear-off example, Alex, is the old-school double bubble chewing gum. It's like it's like putting cement in your mouth, but it's got a lot of sugar on it. And the first seven seconds of chewing double bubble, boy, it's fantastic. And then it tastes terrible. It just ugh, and you spit it out, and you realize your jaw hurts because you just chewed on the concrete laced with sugar, and you go from. Oh, I can't wait to have this piece of double bubble out to oh, get it out of my mouth. And this is what's happening to people who chase success based on fame, power, and wealth. They get it, and then you realize the high has worn off, and now you're addicted to it. you got to get it again. Why? Because you're now measuring your wealth, you're measuring your fame, and you're measuring your power. And it's never enough. You just will continue to go, okay, I'm off the high. I'm off the high. I got to get more fame. I got to get more wealth. I got to get more power. And so these people start to assume that, wait a second, there is no other alternative. I just need more fame. I need more power. I need more wealth. And they realize something's missing. Then this gets confusing. We do what we naturally do, by the way. When any human being goes through a period of frustration or confusion, fear or doubt, at some point we do start to look towards ourselves. It's good if we can look within. But if we look within, we begin to see where our heart, where our emotions are around something, and we can get some clarity. But most of us just look at ourselves outside, and we start to look at, what did I do wrong because I don't have as much fame or power or wealth? What's going on? What did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? Because they've had some success, but the success didn't change the way they feel. There's a hole in their soul. They're not fulfilled. So here's the solution. Nothing wrong with you. You just need to re calibrate what success is and here's what the formula really should be my uniqueness how i'm wired plus conviction what i care deeply about multiplied by the contribution i make equals my significant mark on the world my uniqueness what i do best my talent what i love to do passion the results that motivate me, mission. That. Plus a conviction that says, I must do it. This is the significant contribution that only I can make. And I've got to do it. To believe the sentence that I say all the time on the show, that you are created to fill a unique role in your work, that you are needed. You're incredibly valuable. And you have to show up and do it. I can't think of anyone who has modeled this and had tremendous fame and notoriety, but only because 
she used what she did best to do what she loved to produce results that she cared about. And that's Mother Teresa, a little nun in Calcutta, one of the poorest parts of the world. And she showed up and she loved on people. She served people with her great compassion and empathy. And she will go down in history as one of the most successful people on the planet. Wealth? No, none. Power? Not positionally. She was in a servitude position. She was a servant. She wasn't powerful. There's no authority. She only became famous because her story began to spread. She was not in a position of fame, power, or wealth. She was a nun in one of the poorest areas of the world. So you're not going to find a better formula for success than what I've just shared with you. If you follow the world's, the culture's definition of success, let me tell you something. You will do some impressive things and people will be impressed by you and you will be considered a success. But if you are measuring yourself against the culture's definition, you will always feel a sense of meaninglessness. And that can suck the soul right out of your body, literally kill you. Go the meaningful route. Be significant. Use what you do best to do work you love, to produce results that you care deeply in the core of your heart. Do what you were born to do. Nobody cares about how many people know your name, how much money you have in your bank account. They care if you care for them. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Hey, folks, if you're enjoying the program, I would love to ask for your assistance and to receive your assistance if you might help us grow. You can do that if you're watching on YouTube by giving us a thumbs up, a like on the videos that you're watching. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, share on social media. Share the the video. One click or share with a friend or a family member. And then if you're uh, listening via podcast, 
Give us a follow, a five-star review, and share as well, all with one click. That helps us grow. We would appreciate it very much. Okay, so on this program, I have been, uh, as a man of the people, as a man by the people, as a man for the people, I am a man of the people. Self-proclaimed, yes, but I think there's a lot of evidence. And so I've been telling you about this long study in Europe, six-month study, uh, on the four-day work week. And so, uh, as I've talked about this, obviously a part of that is the notion that I would expect that I'm going to maintain my salary, but instead of working five days a week, I'll work four. The tenant of the study, they worked more hours in a regular day than they would have if they did five days. So what they would do is four tens or 10-hour days versus 5-8, okay? So that got a little discombobulated in the media, and now the head of the United Auto Workers Union has distorted it all together. But it's important to point out what I just pointed out. It was really a four-day week. It was less about the 32 hours. Now, some did 32 hours, but many did 40 hours. The idea was, we're just going to take one day off, but we're still got to get the work done. And there were really positive results. There were some negative results. Okay. Now, let's take that study and, and, and what is now a growing trend, and I'm telling you it's coming to America, and it will be done effectively by some companies and some industries, and it will not be possible to do in certain industries. More on that in a second. So here's where we stand. We are, we are very close to seeing a strike with the big three automakers in Detroit, the American car makers. We're about ready to see a strike there. I think that's where it's going because the union, the United Auto Workers, President Sean Fain, this guy got elected. And by the way, that's what unions are about. They start out, and they started out in this country as a very viable, and I believe, uh, certainly on the surface, a very good thing, unions at their time. Now they've turned into nothing more than a political organization, designed to distribute power and it's po- it's politics well so here comes sean fain enter stage right he's now the president of the united auto workers and he got elected on some audacious promises he said i'm going to demand more than has ever been demanded before and he riled him up and by the way you think for a minute that these union elections, I don't care where they are. You think for a second that it's this idea of this guy, Sean Fain, or anybody running for head of the union. They stand up and they give this populist speech and they win the hearts of union workers. It doesn't work that way. Uh, Union organizations, let me tell you, somebody who worked in politics, I worked in politics. I was a campaign staffer for a three, four-year period in Virginia. I've worked on a statewide gubernatorial race. I've worked on a U.S. Senate race. I've worked on... um, uh, state house and senate races and i've worked on local mayoral races so i'm speaking with experience here this is not my opinion um and in full disclosure i am a conservative i am not beholden to the republican party in any way shape or form i will criticize a republican as fast and as vehemently as i will a democrat so let me just point that out in case you're ever wondering you know because i think i should clear that up 
I like to tell you what I'm about. Just a little little side note here. I'm about freedom. So I don't care what the party is. I don't care who the politician is. I'm about freedom. So I run everything through that funnel of, I believe, we humans, this is not an American concept alone, we were designed and born to be free. And so I always run everything through the filter of, does this party, does this political candidate, does this policy allow for more freedom? For me to live the way that I want to live and make my own decisions? Or does it curb, threaten my freedom? So there you go. All right. Now that that little side note is over, because this is going to offend some of you who've been in unions or, or your family unions. Let me tell you about unions. They are not a let's win the heart of our rank and file. That's not what they do. They are one of the most shrewd political organizations that you have ever witnessed in your life. It's all backroom deals. It is decided ahead of time. They collude, and then the infrastructure has bosses throughout, and they tell the union how they're going to vote. There is no three or four candidates, and they stand up, and they win the hearts of the people. That's a bunch of crap. Let me tell you, I campaigned against unions because I was working for Republicans at the time. And let me tell you something. I've been in the field, like grassroots strategies, us versus them, and the unions always were on the Democratic side of the aisle. And they're shrewd. They're good. They're relentless. They don't mess around. So this clown, and he's a clown, has now adopted this idea of the 32-hour work week. And so what he's saying is, um, we are demanding a 32-hour work week for our United Auto Workers, and we want the 40 hours of pay and overtime for anything more. I was like, wait a second. He wants his cake, and he wants to eat it too. Because in the study that was done in Europe, there was no question that people maintained their pay, but it was about the days they worked, not so much the hours. It wasn't this fine-tuned, well, it's 32 hours. That's not the issue. But the issue is, and I'm reading this from the study, um, the nonprofit four-day week global who ran the study uh, in the United Kingdom. One of the spokespeople for the study says, we didn't have many manufacturing organizations in the trial, as you can imagine. And most of the trials involved smaller companies with office workers, not line workers. You're talking about the big three. You're talking about assembling vehicles. It is manufacturing to the hilt. It's not set up for this. And so this clown is going, well, here's what we want. We want to work 32 hours, and we want to get paid for 40. And then if we work overtime, we want to be paid overtime. Now, which is it? So essentially, he's going, we'd like a fee. We'd like a fee. So now our hourly rate is just a fee just because we're here. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever worked in spaces where there are a lot of union workers, there are mandated breaks where they will be on a job maybe for 10 or 12 hours a day, but they're only working eight. Now, this is just the hard facts, folks. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, but this is the truth because everything is negotiated. Well, we get paid for a 10-hour shift, but they've got three mandated hour breaks. I've been at live events where union workers are sitting backstage doing nothing. 
and we can't get set up. Everything's there ready to go. Got to wait till their break is over. And it's not a, like, when union people break, they break. Like, it's not a 10-minute smoke break. It's like, we done. We're out. We're not doing a thing. And so this is absurd. And so he's going to go down with the ship here, he says. So we'll see how this plays out. But I'm going to tell you something, and I'm bringing this up again. Unions don't help the people and their workers. Unions drive up prices, which affect us all. And they don't care about the demands of every one of their members. They care about their political agenda. Unions are another party. They might as well be called the third party, the third major party in the United States. You got the Republicans, you got the Democrats, and you got unions. They're all from the same ilk, and you need to be aware of it. They're not good for business. They're not good for our economy. And they're becoming more and more popular because it's populism disguised by socialism. You were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you are really valuable and needed, and it means you must do it. There's a duty for you to show up, and I don't know that you've ever thought about yourself that way or worked that way, but you need to, because if you can figure that out and then do the self-discovery to say, what is my unique contribution that I can make to the world and the world of work and, and, and make enough money, but also experience tremendous meaning, and I've created a tool uh, over years, I worked on it based on methodology, based on my own journey, methodology from my own journey. And I've created a tool, a tool called the Get Clear Assessment, which will, in about 15, 18 minutes, bring you self-awareness that will illuminate who you really are, the way we see you, the world sees you, based on what you do best, talent, work you love to do, passion, and results from your work that motivate you and fire you up. That's mission. You get a clear report on all three of those areas and a purpose statement with those results, your top results in those three areas, put into a purpose statement that becomes a high-level job description. Think of it as a compass uh, towards future direction. And this will give you clarity and confidence and courage. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. You can get it at kencoleman.com slash assessments. Only 30 bucks. You'll spend more on coffee this week. Uh, and you're going to get way better results. The caffeine wears off. Clarity doesn't, baby. The Get Clear Assessment, KenColeman.com slash assessment. Let's go to Knoxville, Tennessee. John is on the line. John, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Uh, thank you so very, very much for taking my call. You bet. I've been watching you for a couple of months now, and I didn't even know people like you existed. So oh, I'm very happy you. to be on. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm so uh, honored to talk to you. What's going on? Well, uh, kind of a little bit of backstory. I'm 34, got my first job at 14. So I've been in the workforce for 20 years and I've never had a dream job. So I took the assessment test and my I, I've got a lot of fear behind it and a lot of sure. negativity. I, I don't even trust my own answers because yeah. it seemed every answer I gave was based on a previous job that has burned me. Okay. And I've been burned by almost every career I've ever had. I've had two 
leave the country, leave me behind. I've had ones that were bought out by very unethical companies, ones that were doing things that were flat out illegal. So I left mm. COVID laid me off. It's just every answer I had. Mm. Um, I'm not confident. I'm not confident sure. with the answers I gave. So sure. should I go off my results or not? Yes, you should. <laughs> you should. Um, because I think that you're not confident. If I were to walk you through every question myself on the phone, I think mm-hmm. that your lack of confidence would still be there. You'd be wondering, did I say the right thing to Ken? Is that fair? Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so what we got to do is we have, so we got to dig into that for a second. So All right. you've been burned, and because you've been burned so many times, you're actually overwhelmed with doubt. I think doubt's your thing more than fear, but I, because I think you just doubt that anything good can happen for you in the world of work because you have not a lot of evidence, if any at all that you could get on the right seat, excuse me, get in the right seat on the right bus. Am I right? Absolutely. All right, so let me ask you this. Is it fair to say that you have been in the right seat before, but but it was on the wrong bus? Does that happen to you or no? And it's okay if the answer is no. I'm trying to dig into this. I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, maybe a job that I was happy with maybe didn't pay well. Did I truly enjoy it or yeah. did I leave because yeah. of the pay? And I, I've been dwelling on that a lot lately. Well, what's the answer? I'm, I'm just not sure. <laughs> That's not true. That's um, not true. Can I just I say, most, this is the day. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, John, you've listened to me enough, watched me enough now. Do you believe that I'm that I'm true blue, that I love doing this and that I care about people like you? Do you believe that? Absolutely. All right, then. Will you trust me? Yeah. All right. So then I want you to tell me what's really at the top of your mind and not filter it out with your self-doubt. Is that fair? That'd be fine, yeah. All right. Well, then let's do it. Have you ever, whether it was a quarter of your job, half of your job, I don't care. Have you ever done work that you said, I know I'm good at this and I actually enjoy this work? Yes or no? Yes. Tell me what it was. If it's two examples, three examples, quickly, hit me with it. No, each job I've ever had, I've always become the unofficial trainer. Ah. I thoroughly enjoyed that. No matter now what the type of cool. work was, I enjoyed the training. Now that's cool. Is there another example like that? It's okay if nothing comes to your mind. I don't want to get you stuck. Let's just stay here. Let's stay with <laughs> okay. training. That was good enough, man. What am I doing? I'm getting greedy on you, John. <laughs> You gave me one good answer, and you overcame your self-doubt, and I'm proud of you. All right, let's stay there. Now, you got your assessment results, your Get Clear assessment results with you? Yes. All right, I want you to read the top three talents only, so I can write these down. Top three talents in your results. Well, my number one was instruction. Interesting. Don't explain Uh it. Just tell me. What was number two? Justice. Interesting. What was number three? communication wow this is fascinating folks wait for it now let's talk about the work that you love tell me the top three passions promoting promoting planning planning analyzing analyzing wow that's really interesting and Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think i know the answer but i don't want to I don't want to influence anything. What was your top missional result? The results that fire you up? Efficiency. Efficiency. Okay. Now, let's tie that into the only thing you were able to give me on the spot. Of a 
of 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 previous experience where you were engrossed, engaged, and you enjoyed it. And you said training. And what's fun about this example is you probably weren't hired as a trainer, but you just kind of evolved into it. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly right. But boy, you gave you you got joy out of it. Tell me why you enjoyed it so much. Well, um, because I had such poor training and went through a nightmare, helping people not have to go through that and get to where I am faster and cleaner and more efficient brought me all the joy in the world. All right, so let's stop there, folks. So I asked him, I asked him why, and essentially he said, I hadn't been trained properly in the past, and I didn't want anybody else to go through that. Well, that ties into your talent of justice, right and wrong. You see right and wrong, and it bothers you. I want to make it right. Mm-hmm. And you're really talented at the communication and instruction and showing people, not telling but showing, and that communication ability between the ability to show them but communicate it in a way where they picked up on it and they received it and they did it and they and they were able to improve. Is this true? That's true, yes. Okay, so the passion of promoting, you are all about – See, the, the, when you read the description of promoting, the, the passion of promoting, doesn't necessarily mean you're a salesperson. You can be, can enjoy selling something. But the promoting passion is simply this. I love to cheer, to shed light, to evangelize things that are worth being promoted. Correct? Absolutely. Okay. So in this case, people doing better. You saw by the act of your training, it probably gave you a lot of juice because you saw people respond and do better. Definitely. <laughs> you also got juice because you showed them a process and you had to sit down and go, all right, if I'm going to evolve into this non-official trainer, I got to analyze what, what the problem is, what the process is. I got to come up with a new plan. And when I, when I promote this plan to these people and I do it and say, hey, this is the right way to do it. I'm going to train you and show you how. And they get excited. I get fired up. And so what I see is I see chaos turn into efficiency. Mm-hmm. Your purpose statement is, is absolutely spot on, my friend. Spot on. So here's what you need to understand. You've got to move now forward going, wait a second. I've been in the right seat before. I know what seat I like to be on. Now I got to focus on getting on the right bus. A culture that is healthy, a culture that values me and values other people. This should not be, this should not be in any way, shape, or form big confusion. It should not be. You should know exactly what you want to do. And now you got to go find it. No more confusion, no more doubt. Clarity, confidence, and courage. Walk forward, John. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.